Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you've made available for us. Father, I ask that that will be released in abundance upon us today, that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding with light, that we would know the hope of your calling, that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us, We will know the the greatness of your riches, Father, that we would have a deeper, not just head knowledge um, uh, understanding, but that our hearts will begin to go deeper in encounter with you. So, Father, I pray as we hear your word today that um, we will not just be those who listen, but it becomes something that shifts our lifestyle. Let there be an impartation of a spirit of grace and supplication even over the internet as we have this conversation right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd awaken our hearts, set our hearts on fire for you in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So like I said, my parents moved over to the UK in 2001. It wasn't my ambition to be in ministry. uh, And some things started to change as I started to encounter God for myself. And I started to uh, develop a hunger for God. And Uh, this is critical when we talk about where prayer starts i started to develop a hunger for god uh that was disconnected from the fact that my parents asked me to go to you know to go with them to church or whatever my own walk with god started to shift as my hunger increased and you know um right now how you feel and right now what's on your mind and right now where you are emotionally and intellectually and spiritually is a secondary consequence of who and what you've been fellowshipping with over the last few days and weeks. So where you are right now in your emotions, in your spirit, in yourself, is just an outworking of what you've been placing yourself around over the last few days and weeks. And so because I'd been placing myself around things that stirred up hunger, you guess what? I was getting more hungry. And so you got to realize that as you walk with God, you're not called to walk with God in isolation. Yes, you deal with God on a one-on-one, but God has called you to be in a community. So I was feeding my heart with uh, stories about moves of God, about how God had done incredible things in years past. And somehow these stories of revivals, like the Welsh revivals, the Hebrides revival, the Azusa Street revival, some of these moves of God just really marked me when I read about what God did back then to the point where I was just rocked and I just like, God, I want you to do that in our day. And I just realized I needed to spend more time with God. Now, I found myself, I started to fast. I found myself fasting often. I found myself praying. These days, oftentimes when you hear people talk about fasting, you know, many times, I mean, in most places from my experience in the church, when people talk about fasting is often sometimes connected to fasting for something. Apart from if it's like the Lent season and people, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up that. If you put that aside, generally when people talk about fasting, or at the start of the year, okay, let's put two fasting seasons aside. The start of the year, 21 day fast, you know, you're we're going to fast, or, you know, or Lent season. Put those two kind of seasons aside. Most times when people are fasting, they're fasting for some sort of breakthrough. They're fasting for finances. They're fasting for a husband. They're fasting for a wife. They're fasting for their exam. They're fasting for a big house. Whatever it is, (laughs) there's always an agenda. But my journey in God did not start with fasting for a husband, wife, breakthrough, money, fame, opportunities. I started to fast and pray because I wanted to have deeper encounters with God. And I wanted to know God, not because I wanted to be in ministry. So my starting point was desire for God himself. That brings me to an important point. Prayer is not the means to an end. 
Prayer is an end in and of itself because God is not a vending machine. You don't come to God only when you need him to do something for you, which is how many Christians treat prayer. So I'm not going to, you see, you can hear a teaching on prayer that goes like this. You know what? I prayed for someone and God healed them. I prayed for provision and God released the money. I prayed for this and God did this. And this is amazing. Prayer, amazing. Now, everyone go and pray because prayer works. Now, you could hear that type of teaching on prayer, and there's a place for that, but that's not how I'm going to teach about prayer today because that type of teaching on prayer is not going to build longevity. What that type of, I'll tell you the result of that type of teaching on prayer. You're going to hear me say prayer works because I have many testimonies of miracles and answers to prayer. You're going to, oh yeah, prayer works, so I'm going to pray. So your motivation to pray is because you want to get prayer to work for you so that God would do something for you. But my question to you is, does God exist for you or do you exist for him? Are you on earth just to get everything you can from God and he just serves your agenda? Or are you here to serve his agenda? Because this is critical. If you think God is just there to do stuff for you, then you're not going to go deep in your relationship with God. Because prayer, your prayer life is going to be crisis driven. When you're in need, that's when you're going to pray. When you need God to do something big and you want, or, or you heard the pastor say, we all need to pray, then you're going to pray. Or if someone has got cancer, then you're going to pray. Or you go on an exam, then you're going to pray. Or you go a job interview, oh yeah, pray for me. You text everyone, pray for me, pray. You your, 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 your uh, intensity for prayer is increasing dependent on the current need. And so there's a terror attack in Manchester. There's a terror attack in London. Guess what? Everyone said, pray for Manchester, pray for London, pray for UK. Why is it that the Christians are only waking up to pray when the terror attack arises? We already have that responsibility to pray anyway. So the fact that terror attack arises and now the prayer is increasing is actually showing us that we're a prayerless people because our prayer movement, our prayer intensity is crisis driven. Now listen to this. Show me the man or the woman that can pray intensely without crisis, and I show you the person that's rightly positioned to handle the crisis when it arises. You're not called to be crisis-driven. Prayer is not about getting God to do something for you, even though he does that. But if that's your, remember we're talking about foundations, if that's your foundations, you're not going to go far, because your prayer life is going to go up and down and up and down and up and down, dependent on the crisis at hand. However, if your prayer life is dependent on God alone and you're seeking God just because you want him, you're not praying because you want a breakthrough, you're not praying because you want to pass your exams, you're not praying because you want this and this and this, and that's not the focus of your prayer life, then you're going to be seeking God because you want God. You see, it's sad to say many Christians don't want God. They seek the hands of God, not the face of God. And there's a difference between seeking the hands of God and the face of God. When you seek the face of God, you cannot miss his mouth. When you sing the hands of God, you just want his blessings. God, bless me. Make me feel good. Give me a nice husband. Give me a nice, oh, Lord, I want to have a great life. So you just seek what God can do for you. But that is why I call shallow Christianity. You know the scripture says, deep calls unto deep. If deep calls unto deep, guess what? Shallow calls unto shallow. And many Christians are living in that shallow place because their whole life is based on the temporal this life is very temporal and it's passing away very fast. You might live for 70, 80 years, but you're actually going to live for eternity. You might live for 70, 80 years on earth, but your life is actually eternal. Every human being has etern eternity written on them. In other words, no one is ever going to die, in a sense. You're going to die, your physical body is going to die, but everyone lives forever. It, where you live is 
forever is, is where the question is. Some people are going to be forever with God, and some people are going to be forever separated from God, which is another type of death, because death is separation. Separation in the first instance from your body. When your body dies, you actually live. And then when you're separated from God for eternity, that's another type of separation, which I don't want for anyone, and God doesn't want himself. And so God is calling us into relationship with him. That's the primary foundation of prayer. So, and I've not read any scriptures yet, so I'm going to give you a scripture right now, because I'm talking about foundations now. Gosh, I lost track of time. Okay, let me see. <laughs> I need to just keep an eye on the time. I didn't even time myself at all. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, anyway, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I'll keep an eye on the time here. So, turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11. I'm going to teach in prayer and the power of prayer from a slightly different perspective than maybe you're used to hearing it. Now, the reason why I felt to start with this angle is because we live in the West. I don't know how many of you um, grew up here. I don't know how many of you moved over here, but I want you to understand, I moved to the UK when I was 17, okay? And so most of my life now, I'm 37, most of my life has been here in the UK. So uh, before I moved to the UK, I never met one person my whole life, because obviously, as I said to you, my parents are missionaries, so I was born in Liberia, okay? Lived there a bit, Ghana a bit, now mostly Nigeria, before I moved to the UK when I was 17, my whole life, I never met an atheist, my whole life. I never met an atheist. I never met someone that said to me, I don't believe God, I don't believe God exists. <laughs> Until I came to the UK and I went to college, and guess what? My best friend at college was an atheist. So guess what? We talk about God all the time. <laughs> he thought I was a fool for believing in God, and I thought he was a fool for believing God didn't exist. So here we have two fools arguing about God all the time. <laughs> So, so, so it was, it was, it was intriguing to me that someone would believe that God doesn't exist. So that was really interesting. Actually, we're very good friends. And the, the point I'm trying to make is, though, in the context I grew up in in Nigeria, I know this other, you know, West Africa, basically. It's not that everyone believed in Jesus. It's just that people believed in the reality of the spiritual world. They may believe in idols, and they may believe in some charm and some, you know, some habilist over here and all this superstition, but they believe in the reality of the spiritual world, even if they don't believe in Jesus. So the spiritual world is so real. But when you come to the West, see, this is why I'm talking about prayer from this perspective. When you come to the West, you have Christians that hardly believe the spiritual world is real. They live as though all there is to life is this physical world around us. And that is why... I want to start right here, because when you begin to understand the reality of the spirit world, then you, 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 you understand that there's <laughs> the only way you're going to make any progress in life. I don't mean progress in terms of jobs and houses, even though that, you know, God wants you to, be, to make progress in life, in natural life. I'm talking about, in way, in, if you're going to make any progress as far as it pertains to God's purposes for you in the earth, you are going to have to connect with the spirit realm on another level. And there is no way you're going to do that without the technology of prayer. Now, having said that, let's read Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, for by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3 now. By faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made from things visible. Okay. I'm going to read that. Ver uh, I'm going to read verse 
from verse 3 again. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made by things that are visible. So that is critical to understand before we move further. So what, what, what the writer of Hebrews, which many believe to be Paul, is saying is that by faith, God created his physical world by the words of his mouth. And we see that in Genesis. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And there are other dimensions of creation. He, cre he formed man from the dust of the earth. You know, he spoke to certain things. So you see, you see the whole process of creation uh, uh, was, uh, I guess, activated in many ways by the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke and things started to happen. Okay, so he created it. Now, there's a critical bit of information you have to understand here. It says... The things that are seen, so, you see, you look around you, you're probably watching me through a computer. You've got maybe some uh, desk your computer is on. You've got a window next to you. You've got a curtain. You've got a bed. You've got a chair you're sitting on. These are the things that are seen. The things that are seen around you were not made by things that are seen. So, the things that are seen around you were made from things unseen. The... Are you tracking with me? I know, I know we're not physically together because I can't see all your faces if you're nodding. I can see two faces here, and all of you turn your cameras off, so I can't see you. So you can, you're hiding your faces, and I want to know that you understand what I'm saying right here, that the things around you came from another world. The things, the physical things, you might want to hit your chair, you know, I'm hitting this microphone, you know, everything around you came out of a spiritual realm. You see, the Bible says this in John 4. God is spirit. It didn't say God is a spirit. God is spirit. That's his essence. You know how we say God is love? You know, that's a famous, popular kind of word right now. God is love. We're meant to love each other. And people always preach that. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent right now. People say, oh, God is love. We need to love one another. Obviously, that's true. God is not one that just releases love. He is the essence of love in itself. And we need to actually redefine our definition of love. Now, he is love. However, do you realize all the statements that the Bible makes about what God is? It says God is spirit. It also says God is light. God doesn't release light. He is light. <laughs> Do you know what else say God is? God is a consuming fire. Now, that's the part you don't often hear about. <laughs> or maybe it depends on what church you're part of. Maybe that's all you hear about. I don't know. So, see, because obviously I'm involved in different churches, especially white British churches. And so I'm often saying, listen, God is love, but God is a consuming fire as well. God is not just your buddy you're going to hang out with. Oh, yeah, God is my buddy. Yes, God wants, you know that famous song, I am a friend of God. No, you're not a friend of God. <laughs> because if you're a friend of God, there's certain things you won't be doing. And I saw you last week, and the things you're watching and the way you're talking, friends of God don't act that way. Friends of God are like Abraham. He called Abraham friend. And look at the way Abraham lived. If you're a friend of God, why is your Instagram account the way it is? With all the posts you're putting out there, and the way you're dressing, all the songs you're singing, and all the things you're coming in. You tell me a friend of God would do that? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't believe you're a friend of God. Because a friend of God would have on their heart what is on God. They, they would have God's interest at heart in every action they're taking. But the way I saw you talk to your parents shows me that you're not a friend of God. A friend of God does not. Don't, don't, don't you just sing your. Isn't it funny how we lie in church with our songs? 
I am a friend of God. Oh, yeah, I surrender all. And then the Lord says, give up that. You're like, oh, God, I don't want to give up that boyfriend. God's like, that boyfriend is going to kill you. Give up that relationship. And then you, you don't give it up next to you. I surrender all. You're lying with your songs. You think God's going to listen to that? Okay, I went off on a tangent. I need to get myself back. Come back, come back, come back. Come back, James. Come back, James. <laughs> the spiritual world is more real than this physical world. He says God is spirit. So God is in another realm, and that's the realm we call the spirit world. And from that world, he spoke this physical world into existence. Okay, this is just plain logic, right? He is in another world, and he created this world from that world. You know what that says? That spirit world that God exists in, his spirit, that world is superior to this world. Way, 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 way superior. God is more real than you are. So because you've lived in the West and all you've watched is Netflix and you watch TV and you've gone to school and hear lots of swearing and you even swear yourself and you hang around non-Christians and you do all these things, you think this is all there is to life? If this is all you think, you're greatly deceived and I pity you because you're living your life on a, on a very shallow, ignorant, deceived level. You're not just a physical being. And the sooner you realize this, the better it's going to be for you. The, the sooner you realize this, the more you're going to realize no one has to tell you to pray. And I'm getting to pray in a sec. But because God is a spirit being, he created this physical world from that world. So that world, the spirit world, is superior to this world. Now, let's backtrack to Genesis again. When you go back to Genesis and you see how God created man, he said he formed man, okay, from the dust of the earth. Okay, and then after he formed that dust, then God breathed life into the dust. And then man became a living being. So when God formed that dust, that was the body, that was the shell. Adam was not in that shell until breath came from God into the shell. Are you tracking with me today? Ad I'm going to repeat yeah. that. Adam was not in that shell until God released life from God into the shell. So that shell was just Adam's body. Newsflash, your body is not you. Your body is your suit. Your body is what makes you legal on this planet. So where was Adam before he got into the shell that God formed? Adam was in God. Before he got into his shell. So we know that God formed Adam from the dust. So that dust was the body. And we know that man is like God in three parts, so to speak. Because man is not just a body. Man is a spirit. He possesses a soul. And he lives in a body. And we know that, you know, the, the Godhead is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when God said, let's make man in our own image, in our likeness, you see, it was the same thing that God was really doing with man in, in essence. Where man was formed in, in there's, there's three components or three dimensions to man. But God formed the first dimension, which is the dust of the earth. And then God released his life. In the breath that went into Adam were two things. Adam's identity, what makes Adam conscious of himself? That is his soul. His soul was what carried his consciousness, his will, his mind, his emotions. 
You see, that was locked in his soul. And with that breath was also the spirit, his spirit. So what went into Adam was spirit and soul. So now Adam, as, as that breath goes into Adam, because the person releasing that breath is eternal, guess what? The essence of that breath is eternal. You are eternal. Now, you may say, well, I wasn't there when God created Adam. You know, how do you know, James, that this is correct? Well, read Jeremiah 1. What does God say to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, before your physical form existed in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. That's past tense. How is it that God knew Jeremiah before he got? So question is, where was Jeremiah before he got in his mother's womb? He was in God. Where was Adam before he got into the shell? He was in God. Where were you before you came into this world? You were in God. Your essence came from God. What gives you life is God himself. Okay, maybe let me use this little illustration. You know, like a computer, okay? The hardware is your body. The software is your soul. And the power is your spirit. What gets the computer running is the spirit. So the very essence of who you are is spiritual in nature. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, they were more spirit conscious than physical realm conscious. Why do I say that, even though it doesn't say that clearly in Genesis? Because the Bible says they walked with God in the cool of the day. So remember what I said about John 4. God is spirit, yet... Adam and Eve are walking with God. And it's not weird to them that they're walking with God. In fact, they were naked. They weren't wearing clothes and they were not ashamed because they were more conscious of the spiritual realm than they were their physical nakedness. So for them to be able to relate with a, sp with a spirit being such as God, who is not just a spirit, but he is spirit, to relate with God in that way, they had to be conscious of the spirit realm. So when God created man, actually, man was more spirit conscious than body conscious. So it was spirit, soul, and body. That was the order. Spirit, soul, and body. In fact, I wonder whether Adam's... Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> it was spirit, soul, and body. But after the fall, you know, there was a reversal. After Adam sinned and Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they gave in to the enemy. They believed the enemy and ate the fruit. You know the story. What was spirit, soul, and body reversed? And it became body, soul, and spirit. Before the fall, we were, we were made to be more conscious of God's realm. We were made to walk with God like Adam did. We were made to talk face to face with God like Adam did. Because that's how God intended it in the garden. But after the fall, we became more physical realm conscious. So right now... You are more conscious of your body than you are your spirit. Right now, you're more conscious of the, the physical things around you than you are the spiritual world around you that you already exist in. And I want to make this loud and clear. Listen to me. The spiritual world is more real than this physical world. Again, the spirit world, God in that realm created this world. That means this world is, is, is a servant realm to that world. That world is a parent realm to this realm. Okay, I'm in a room, I've got some light here, and there's some shadow being cast. My phone is casting a shadow right now. You can't see the shadow, but just imagine, my phone is casting a shadow. 
You don't try to move the shadow. Oh, yeah, my hand is casting a shadow, if you can see it. You don't try to move the shadow that my hand is casting on this microphone. You don't try to move that shadow by moving the shadow around. If you want to move the shadow, you have to move the thing that's casting the shadow. It would be silly of me to try to want to move this shadow and try to move the shadow physically. That's kind of, you can't think I'm crazy, right? Well, that's how many people live their lives. This world is the shadow of the spiritual world. The spiritual world is the realm casting a shadow on this world. And what happens in this world is determined by what happens in that world. So how do you think you're going to affect things in this world without changing things in that world? You want to you wanna have impact in this world? You want God to use in this world? You want to you wanna rise and be impactful in whatever sector of society? Because we know the enemy is the God of this age and it's occupying the minds of people and they're living on the same and under his government. There's no way you're going to rise in this world for the kingdom of God without doing some homework in the spirit world. And the more you understand the spirit world, the more you're going to realize... You cannot exist without prayer. You cannot move anywhere without seeking God. You cannot be a Christian that has a non-existent prayer life and think you're going to have an impact. You're going to be a just, in fact, I'll say you're a joke. You will make no impact for God and have God use you if you're just living your life like a physical being that's not actually realizing you are a spirit living in a body and this world is temporal. The sooner you realize that, the quicker you're going to start to adjust your life to make sure you're prioritizing spiritual disciplines that help you to shift your focus from this physical world to the spiritual world. I'm not trying to say this physical world is completely bad in that you're not here for a re- in that you just ignore the physical realm. You don't have a shower. You don't take care of yourself. You're like, oh yeah, I'm just thinking of the spirit right now. No, I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of crap. I'm talking about you realize that you're, 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 you're threefold in nature. Yes, you take care of your body. Yes, you, you study for your exams. Yes, you do everything you can in the natural, but you understand there is another realm that controls and influences this realm. Listen, how do you think Jesus was able to walk on water? How do you think Peter's shadow was able to heal the sick? It's because the, the, the power from the realm of the Spirit was able to override the laws of physics. That in and of itself proves that the, that in and of itself proves the superiority of that realm. Jesus would not be able to walk on water if he's not functioning from another realm. Are you guys hearing me today? He was functioning with the power of the Spirit. And this is the really sad thing. We have the same power. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's if you're a Christian. Because I'm not going to assume everyone has given their heart to Jesus and and are saved. The same spirit that, okay, Jesus is dead. His body is dead, but he still exists. He's in hell dealing with the enemy, right? What powered up his dead body and brought it back to life was something that took place in the spirit, in his spirit, it didn't take place in his body. You know, in the natural, when people kind of faint and they die, if you're a doctor, they use these things called defibrillator or whatever. I don't even pronounce this right. So kind of shake them, wake them up. See, they're trying to wake them up from the flesh. They're trying to revive them from the flesh. But what revived Jesus was not anything from the flesh. He was completely dead. His body was just there. What powered up his body was something from the spirit. And the Bible says that power that powered Jesus up dwells in you. (laughs) So maybe your question should be, why am I not seeing that power? Good question. 
Why are you not seeing that? If that power got him up from the dead, why is that power not manifesting in your life? You know why? Because you're not engaging with the spirit. That power is locked up in the place of prayer. You're only, the prayer is the, is the, is the bridge between this realm to that realm. You're not going to tap into the power that's already there by just singing two songs on a Sunday morning and just going, you know, oh yes, Lord, I praise you. And that's the end of your prayer life. You feed your body all these meals every day. You feed your body three, four meals a day, you watch a movie, you do all this stuff, and so your body is so filled up. And then when it comes to feeding your spirit, you don't feed your spirit anything. It's like you feed your body three, four, five meals a day, and then you feed your spirit one or two cold snacks a week. And then when the body and the spirit end up in a fight, temptation, right, temptation, guess who's going to win? The one you've been feeding the most, because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And so here we are, you're saying, well, why am I not saying the power of God? Oh, yeah, my parents say prayer is powerful. I've heard people say prayer. Yeah, but I'm not saying it. Well, you're not saying it because you're more thinking about Facebook, Instagram, and Netflix than you are the word of God and spending time with him. How, are you, how can you spend three hours on Instagram and spend three hours, four hours on Netflix and spend all these hours on Disney Plus watching all the stuff of the world and you can't spend 30 minutes in prayer and yet you want the power of God to come on you and yet you want God to use you? Or you spend the whole week singing Beyonce, singing Jay-Z, singing all the junk of the world, then you come into church and you wonder why you're not experiencing God because you've been feeding your flesh with all the demonic stuff of the world and you want God to move on you. It's not going to happen that way. <laughs> Is anybody hearing me today? Or am I losing my mind? I'm telling you, we're talking about the power available to us in prayer. That power is available to people that surrender themselves to God. There are no shortcuts to this. So you're saying, God, the, the way you start is you surrender your life to God. You come under his government. As you come under his government, you start to have some spiritual disciplines that cause you to tap into the reality of the power that he's made available to you in your spirit by his Holy Spirit. It's a process. You can't just wake up one day and just start walking the power of God without being one that's under the government of God. It's a process. And so I'm not just going to say prayer is powerful. Go and pray. I'm going to actually try to lay the foundations. Why is it powerful? It's because you're tapping into the spirit power. And it's the technology that God has made available for you to tap into that spirit power. Let me just round off this concept. It's a new concept in terms of this message, but it's very important to explain this before I round this up. Prayer is powerful, right? Yes. Most Christians say that. Do you realize prayer is powerful for those in the kingdom of light and those in the kingdom of darkness? Prayer is powerful whatever kingdom you're in. Which is prayer? Muslims pray. When they pray and when they fast, because they do, they engage in spiritual powers. You might be like, well, James, here we go. My parents always talk about demons. Here you are talking about demons. I'm not here talking about, I'm talking about reality of what's going on. When they, you see, prayer is a means of communication with another realm, with the spirit realm. So when they're doing the Ramadan fast and doing all these things, they're not engaging in the kingdom of light. They engage, and oftentimes they're releasing curses against you. I hope you realize that. <laughs> they engage in the, in the kingdom of darkness, okay? So their, oh, this is a whole different concept. Sacrifice releases spiritual power, and that's a spiritual principle across the board. Because they're sacrificing food, they're giving up, you know, all this stuff, and they're releasing these curses, they're stirring up spiritual power, okay? So listen, they pray five times a day. They have a prayer culture. We have a, we're struggling to have a prayer meeting. And so you're in the same neighborhood. 
They're releasing their curses. They're, they're waking up early. They're releasing their prayers five times a day, and you can't be bothered. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm covered by grace. And so, so they're having a prayer culture. You're struggling to have a prayer life. Your church doesn't have a prayer meeting. How would a prayer meeting overthrow a prayer culture? Impossible. Even though God has given you authority over all the powers of the enemy, you can't not be... You, you can't just be praying whenever you want, whenever you feel like it. And they are constantly stirring up power in the dark side. Okay? A prayer meeting will never overthrow a prayer culture. It's a prayer culture that will overthrow a prayer culture. That's why God says to us, he's called the church to be a house of prayer. And guess what? You're the, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that means your temple, you, you're called to be a house of prayer. You're called to be a mobile altar. The standard is quite high in the New Testament. We have, you know, it, it might not be a case where we're told to pray five times a day, six times a day. In fact, I say pray without, pray without season. There is a calling to a certain standard. And when you begin to say yes to that standard, you realize it places a demand on your life disciplines. So many Christians say they're living under grace, but they have no discipline. Their life has no commitment to God in any way. And then when someone comes and says to them, you need to pray, they're like, oh, you know, it's, you know I, don't, I don't want to become religious. Have you noticed most Christians use that word religious for things that they don't like to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to just get religious about that. What do you mean? Was Daniel religious when he prayed three times a day? Was the Apostle Paul religious when he fasted and prayed and saw God after he got saved and didn't eat for three days? What, 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 what do you mean? You say Christianity is about religion. Uh, Christianity is not about, uh, what's it? Christianity is about relationship. It's not about religion. Yeah, that's true. But are you in relationship? If you're in a relationship, that means you should know him. You should, when God calls you, he doesn't need to introduce himself to you. If you're in a relationship, it means you should know God. But most Christians are not in a relationship. It's sad to say, they're more in religious routines. It's Sunday morning, okay, we go to church, or we, t we log on to Zoom, hear a, hear a sermon. After the Zoom call, we get on with the rest of our lives until the next Sunday. So God is just like this part of our lives we bring in, we wheel out whenever we want. And whenever we need him to do a breakthrough, oh yeah, we fast, then we pray. What kind of God is that? That's not what God's called you to be. That's not who God's called you to be. He's called you to give your whole life. And that means you're going to serve him. And that means when you serve him, you have access to everything he is. That's when you begin to realize the power he's made available for you in prayer. So, yes, prayer is powerful. In whatever kingdom you're in. Lastly, I know I said lastly. This is going to be last, last, lastly. Jesus was able to hang around unbelievers, right? Okay. Jesus was able to be with the unsaved. And when he was around them, he was influencing them. So he was around people that did not necessarily fully believe in him. But we know he was friends of sinners. And so when he got into their environment... He was influencing them. Remember when I talk about the spiritual world? The spiritual world is more real than this world. Why was Jesus able to influence the unbelievers? Because when he got around them, he was stronger in the light than they were in the darkness. So whoever, listen, this is critical. Whoever, his, whoever is stronger on whatever side dominates the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere I'm talking about. So when you get around your non-Christian friends and they are stronger in their addiction than you are in the light, guess who does the influencing? <laughs> they influence you. You don't influence them. You're like, well, yeah, you know, I, 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 in fact, many, let's not say many, 
quite a lot of Christians have different kind of lifestyles. In the church, they're one way. With their non-Christian friends, they're another way. They might be seemingly bold in the church, but they get out there and, you know, you don't, you don't see that fire. So I'm thinking, well, what's that all about then? If they, if the, the, the sinners, the unsaved, if they're stronger in the darkness than you are in the light, they are going to dominate the atmosphere and do the influencing. Whereas God's called you to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. He's called you to change the temperature, not conform to the temperature. But there is no way you can have that kind of influence and that kind of impact without being strong in the spirit. And you cannot be strong in the spirit without being strong in prayer. And in the early parts of prayer, it can be challenging on the flesh because your body doesn't want to do it. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pray and then open up for questions. Father, thank you for the challenge to arise to be people of prayer that tap into everything you've made available for us. So, Lord, right now, we repent and we say, we're sorry, God, for where we've been more conscious of this physical world and where we have given ourselves to all the temporal pleasures of this world and we haven't given ourselves to the things of the Spirit that will cause us to grow in you. Father, let this day be the, the start of a shift in our spiritual perception where we begin to give ourselves to the things that cause us to be more aware of the spirit realm. Lord, I ask that you awaken our hearts to seek your face in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstorm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstorm.org.